0: Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chattuck. Join host Karen Doyle-Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading researchers, authors, and clinicians discussing issues in attachment theory. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. Today, Karen welcomes educator Steve Zwolak for a conversation about developing emotionally responsive teachers. Part two will be released on January 31st. This is Karen Doyle Buckwalter joining you here from Chaddock for another episode of the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. Today we are going to be hearing from Steve Zwolak and he is the CEO. Of the Loom Institute and the executive director of University City Children's Center in St. Louis. Loom uh, is L U M E. He has over 50 years of experience as a student of children, tirelessly advancing and advocating for early childhood. Steve's years as a classroom teacher and a leader in the field of early childhood are what informed his Loom approach to education, which focused. and listeners, you're going to love this. The Loom program or approach focuses on emotionally responsive teaching. This approach emphasizes that the emotional development of children is critical to a child's future success. He is gathering evidence on his approach. They're getting a lot of data collected to help support the evidence base for his approach. One of the things that he really believes in is that teachers understand that there's a major watershed from three through five years of age where children must begin to socialize their internal understanding of diversity, inclusion, and equity and make it an embedded way of life he leans into his values of trust compassion empathy love and joy i was just delighted with the conversation I was able to have with Steve and really eagerly anticipating sharing it with all of you. So stay tuned. Steve Zwolak from the Loom Institute in St. Louis will be coming right up hello everyone and welcome back to the attachment theory in action podcast i'm just thrilled about our guest today as promised i am here with steve Zwolak, who is the developer of loom and we will be learning more about what that means but i just want to welcome you to the podcast steve
1: well, Karen, thank you. And you pronounced my name beautifully, so thank you for that. Oh, that. that, Not, that, I, got get that. The,
0: I got through the first, you know, nervousness. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm getting the name right.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah.
0: So, so Steve, I would love if you could just start out sharing a bit about your background and how you found yourself working in early childhood and just a a bit of your journey for listeners to hear
1: well you know it is the journey is really fascinating and it really is not like oh i went to college and i studied this the journey the journey is coming from a place of of dysfunction and and trauma myself and so really it was. And when I reflect on it, as I I'm now like I was I've been in the field for 54 years. Uh, and so I've been doing a lot of reflecting about how did I get here and, and getting here has been it really started very, very early. And I had clear recollections as young as five years of age that something was not right in my household. Mm-hmm. And and I really began to think about that. And when I think about, I became a, a super, I grew up in a, a really a tough neighborhood in Philadelphia and I was a basketball jock. And I realized that basketball was, I'm going to say my love object. Okay. Because it it gave me a it gave me a place where I could be myself. I mm-hmm. could cuss, I could play, I could do whatever I needed to do. And what I learned in in through basketball was I had this ability to throw passes. I could see the court really well. And as I you know reflect on that, I learned I learned that because I was hyper-vigilant. And I fully understood when I when I was going to get blocked, when the next clubbing was going to come. It didn't matter what context it was in. I'm just hyper vigilant. And I see things with my third eye behind my head, always waiting to get clobbered. Uh And so Uh and and I really found that arena of sports to be a saving grace for me, which I which means I have a different understanding about urban sports, particularly urban sports and how it really serves um, highly traumatized uh, 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 people. So, so anyways, but, so I, you know, it has been a really an interesting journey. I stumbled into early childhood. I was going to be a secondary ed PE major, you know, the first one to go to college in my family and all of that, you know, and I was considered the black sheep of the family until I wasn't. I now am the maverick, which is (laughs) interesting. how words change, (laughs) Um, you know, I was a mischief maker, um, I was a, in high school. I was a um, a fun felon. Never got caught. And um, but it all made sense as I really think about that trajectory. And when I decided to leave secondary ed PE, I was walking past an early childhood center, and I saw these children, and I absolutely it was it was like a magnet. And I realized that I could do this. I, I really, I could do it. But really what I needed to understand is I could be this. Oh, I love that. Okay. And so I walked into this building and the woman knew I was a basketball jock and a baseball jock. And I said, I'd like to do this. And she said, she grabbed me by the collar and she said, you know, just because you're a jock, you're not going to get an easy A on this. And she worked me so hard and I found I found that calling. And I'm so grateful that I, you know, that the spirit led me in that place. So I really got to understand children and I could see children. What I learned as I developed as an educator was that children saw me more than I saw them. And they were always poking me to find out if I was credible or where my vulnerabilities were. And I have a clear moment in time with this young boy, a three-year-old, and he looked at me and I felt like the emperor's new clothes. He saw right through me and um and I still have an amends to make to him because if he knew my pain and I didn't know his means I didn't know his pain.
0: Mm.
1: You 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 can't see what you don't have. So he knew my pain and I felt he knew it intimately. And I, and I think about that, and that was really a crossroads in uh, for me as an educator to really dive deeper in understanding what this what was going on inside of myself so I could help children differently.
0: Yes.
1: And I studied at the Psychoanalytic Institute. I went in that pathway and I, I went to Washington University and I was studying. This was really a fascinating period of my life. I studied early childhood through a feminist lens at the same time studying early childhood through a psychodynamic lens, which was very traditional. Mother mm-hmm. was mother, particularly in that season. Mother was mother and um, at Washington University. I was studying mother as as androgyny, and I was all I was in such cognitive dissonance for about three years. And in the meantime, I had my own child, Mm. and all of these emotions just came raging forward, and really beginning to understand that oh my God, I was I was scared. Of my, this little baby in my household, I'm looking at Christina going, Oh my God, what do I do? Because I didn't have a good foundation for myself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, the, 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 the that was that, you know, when people say, What's your journey? And I, I think when we, no, I know when we talk about Loom, we want educators to begin understanding that journey and it doesn't all have to be baggage it can be kumbaya moments but how do you understand that your childhood whether it was you know getting your your heart and soul ripped out or you were living a life of emotional bliss how does that manifest itself in classrooms because it is the self that makes the teacher and we have gone awry in our field of early childhood, well in education. and we have we 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 have a belief that we can teach the skill and we can teach the skill, but the skills only go so far because the heart and the soul of a teacher drives how those skills are implemented. So through loom, we have really uh, stripped away and flipped the the uh, understanding of, of, and I'm going to say this with tongue in cheek what professional development looks like. Okay. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm skeptical of professional development. I'll probably get into that at some point. But we felt that it had to be, it really had to be a place where you begin looking in the mirror at yourself. And so, and fast forward, we did, uh, we started to gather ACE. ACE scores, and I'm assuming people know ACE scores, yes. um, We started grabbing ACE scores of teachers and resiliency scores of teachers. And we found that uh, out of the data points we have, well, in this particular season, we had over a thousand data points mm-hmm. and, and realized that 60% of the teachers had ACE scores of four or more
0: and just in case, that's adverse childhood experiences, just in case, you know, someone is unaware and that would be an A score that would predict potentially what?
1: Well, it, it really, it, it drives your, not just your uh, emotional self, but it really it really is tied closely to your long-term um, physical health. Yes, that's, that is
0: what was so remarkable. We're not just talking, you know, psychology or social work or some um you just gotta love the world hippie mumbo jumbo that it's like no we're talking this impacts heart disease and all diabetes all kinds of physical um problems
1: and 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 we know that uh, about 61% of the uh, families in the Medicaid system have, have, are traumatized. So we started to connect the fact that if we have 60% of the educators, and we did a broad uh, 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 data collection, not just early childhood, mostly early childhood, but others, and if 60% of them are highly traumatized, and 61 percent of our families in the Medicaid system yes trauma it's a recipe for disaster
0: right you know and, and yeah. go ahead
1: no go ahead you
0: well as I was preparing for for this interview I was looking um, at some of the issues specifically to attachment and education you know as our as our uh, attachment theory had, Action podcast focuses on that, of course, but I saw this quote by Bowlby, and this this is just fascinating right here because this was all the way back in 1982, and he's talking about insecure attachment, and insecure attachment renders the child less able to cope with later adverse experiences. Yep use that word and second increases the likelihood that the child will behave in such a way as to bring about more adverse experiences and i was thinking this so ties into to loom and you know here he's talking about this in the 80s we and and you know we weren't even talking about that study and how children bring forth from their caregivers certain things by the way they behave. And then, as you said, and the caregivers bringing something into this, too. And it can be a recipe for disaster.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, uh, three, I think it was three years ago in February, uh, there was a, an early childhood educator in St. Louis. And she picked up a child by the scruff of her neck threw her across the room she slid she hit her head in a on a cabinet split her head wide open. The, the, they wrote the, the reports. The mom got enormously cranky and talked to the director. And the director said, well, we have a video. Unbeknownst to the director, she never previewed the video. So the video was, was real. First time seen by the director and the parent. And it was very it was a very nuanced provo- provoke, provoking experience, but very nuanced that they a teacher just grabbed that kid and threw her. And I keep saying to, to teachers, do you think she woke up and said, I'm going to do this? We she didn't. And what was the trick point? What was the trigger? And that's her baggage that 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 she was reacting to as she picked this kid up. And through her, and my concern is for we do not know when we are going to be tripped or we're going to be triggered. So unless we begin helping teachers understand who they are, yeah, and understand their normal, so they can understand the normal of the child. Oh, and by the way, I have eighteen children in my classroom, so I have to accommodate to eighteen different normals. Yes. And if 60% of educators have been traumatized based on our data we we need to think about professional development differently That's and it is true. it is about people development and mm-hmm. developing personhood
0: because we talk about countertransference And that's one person okay that's that's typically when we talk about that that's the therapist and one person here you have a whole room full of little people that could be touching and awakening things in you that you would rather not have awakened
1: yeah well and and so when we think about um, when we think about the work that we do and asking teachers and educators um, and social service people as well. And, you know, as a as a clinical person, uh, you, you, you start your practice and you have supervision. Well, yes. teachers, teachers don't have supervision. Yes. They're thrown into the into the deep end of the pool without the support of and deep understanding And then there's been an effort to say, oh, teachers need coaching, but we have not the depth of coach to do what teachers need. So we we started that framework of coaching and we went, no, it's about reflective supervision. And we started to think about reflective supervision. And now I I am beginning to shift it to dialogue and conversation. And, and the difference is for coaching, you go in and a teacher says, oh, God, I'm having a real hard time with this classroom. And, and um, have you ever had this experience before, uh, uh, Miss, Miss, Miss Susie? Well, no, no, this is new. That's coaching. I said, here's, here's some songs, here's some activities, here's what you can do. But if it comes out that the teacher says, oh, yeah, this is such a pitfall for me, that is a reflective experience. And it is the teacher's issue, not the child's issue. And we blame it on children or the dynamic of the group, where we really need to get teachers looking into the mirror at their own history of transitions. Okay. And in those conversations, so that helps that helps me decide whether it's a coaching or reflective supervision. Now I'm beginning to think about the concept of a dialogue and a conversation because we're dancing with so many intimate experiences around attachment. What does nurturing look like? What does reciprocity look like? What does um, um, mutuality look like? And, you know, and that leads up to attachment And, and it's a big conversation for people. So when we are doing a lot of our work, we're really provoking dialogues and conversations that start here because that's where they're hearing it through their prefrontal cortex and we need that for them to have time to let it assimilate into their heart and soul and then begin landing in the emotional um, um, uh, portion of the brain and then get redistributed so they don't if we if if we Pose a question, and all of a sudden they respond with their prefrontal cortex, and it it changes. We need to go. Wait wait a minute. They need to go to a different place with this. So how do we begin to help teachers get to this place? And you know, Bruce Perry talks about his neurosequential model, and and he's right. And we need systems. That are helping us help children re, re, um, realign what attachment looks like.
0: Yes, yes. And so,
1: and so through Loom, we've we 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 have something that we talk about that uh, it's called angry love. We have three year olds who come into the building, been expelled from three different programs before they're three. They come in and they are saying, F you, you, you know, and they are cussing a blue streak and they're throwing chairs. And, and And I'm saying this this is their language. This is their love language. This is the only way they know how to get love. And as teachers, it's not about sending them to the, the quiet space. It's about leaning into that angry love with ruthless compassion. And if you have your own baggage,
0: compassion.
1: yeah. Karen, if you have your own baggage and you don't understand ruthless compassion, but you understand angry love, we will often try to trump the child's angry love with our angry
0: love. Ah, uh, yes does that make sense yes yes um we will meet it with that inside of us you know rather than in in a very reactive protective way for ourselves you know i i love that phrase ruthless compassion and i'm glad you talked about angry love i've heard you say that phrase and i think it helps people really understand these aggression and acting out in a very different way. I I think, you know, many of our listeners are probably not well versed in early childhood education and what classrooms are like now compared to before. And I would like you to share some statistics or information about what's going on in the early childhood world that is concerning to you? Um, Obviously, we're going to get to some of what you think the solutions are. But what is what are we seeing there?
1: Yeah, well, we really have a half-day retreat happening here, so <laughs> sorry about that. You. Um,
0: you
1: know, I think, again, um, you know, we have to really think about the, the fact that um, the data that we know, um, you know, we, you, you, you're familiar with this phrase, all behavior has meaning, okay? Yes. We know that all behavior has meaning. We know that the majority of the brain architecture is developed in the first five years of life. Okay, and we know that, um, uh, and what what it says to us in in so many ways is that we have that we have the brain development. We have um, a psycho- psychological understanding that all behavior has meaning. And, and we, we also know that, um, you know, there's a 100 years worth of theory. And going back to what you were saying about Bowlby and Ainsworth, their work and what um, Winnicott talks about, you know, that, you know, the first time the child sees themselves is through the mother's eyes. Mother being, you know, whatever gender you want, whoever the caregiver is, but they see themselves. Through the mother's eyes,
0: yes.
1: and whatever the child sees of themselves is what the mother is projecting onto this baby. Yeah. So we've known this, and and so what when we when we think about our work when we think about our work at Loom, we're talking about. If we want to change society, really, if we really want to change the trajectory of what our children are going through in schools, in sporting experiences, and whatever it is, we better change the way we're teaching our youngest children. Mm, So if we want to change it, and the data says this, I mean, we also have economic data. Through James Heckman out of the University of Chicago. You know, he talks about, you know, uh, every dollar invested in, he calls the soft skills of child of childhood, has a 13, 18% return on investment. So the, the economic data says, the brain research says, the hundred years worth of theory and observational research that we know. And what are we doing? So from a sociological perspective, early childhood educators are some of the worst paid people. And I don't want to hang it up on pay. We're the most uneducated. And we have we have there was a and again, I've after 54 years in the field, I have seen that trend where it was. If we just tell them how to do paper bag puppets and Play-Doh, everything will be fine. Well, it's not the case. Yes. We have not taught teachers how to understand children. Yes, and so yes. consequently, we have, you know, uh, used all of that to continue paying people, you know, eleven seventy to an hour. Right. Um, so, so there's a there's a a, a a real a real social structure that we have to reconf- reconfigure, yes. but we also need to develop teachers the same way we develop a, so, a social worker yes because and particularly post pandemic we know that we're we're expecting 25 to 30 years of deep mental health challenges
0: yes. due
1: to pandemic yes So if we don't take real action in helping teachers and educators, it doesn't matter if you're early childhood or high school, you can see attachments and the abilities of a child to attach. And you can look in the mirror with a reflective lens and understand, do I have the ability to to attach to students? And if I don't, how do I sidle next to students and learn from the students together? And that is the deep emotional partnerships that teachers need to think about um, developing with with their kids, whether they're six weeks of age or whether 16 years of age. Yeah. Because, yeah. So I'll, I'll yeah. take it. Away.
0: What a what a great thought to to end the first part of our interview. On I am loving this conversation, Steve, and I know that our listeners are probably thinking. Wait, I want to hear more about this. How do I get this in my educational environment and and all of that? And what does that look like? So, so listeners, please, please join us next week for the second part of this conversation um, with Steve Zwolak as he talks with us about Loom, about the transformation needed in early childhood education. Thanks for chatting thus far, Steve.
1: Well, Karen, thank you so much for um, indulging me for this rant.
0: (laughs) It's been wonderful. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, tkcchattock.org, or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts for future episodes. If you enjoy our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please visit tkcchattock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.